Okay, so we are continuing our exploration of the biography of the prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, what chapter are we starting from? Six. Chapter six of the Ling's edition. Okay, far away. Okay, so chapter six is about Abdul Muttalib and how he was one of the only people in the tribes who really stayed true to the monotheistic religion. Mm-hmm. And how he never really worshipped Hubal or any of the other idols, but most of the other people in the tribes did. And so when pilgrims would come on pilgrimage, they kind of um, wanted to make them feel welcome, make them feel at home. And so they kind of showed honor to their idols that they brought with them, even if um, he and some other people didn't worship them or anything. Um, but it got to the point where a lot of people had idols in their house, and if they went out on a journey or whatever, they would, like, rub the idols for good luck, um, and then do that when they came back, too, and so idols were, like, a big thing of of worship. Um, but a few people maintained the true monotheistic religion, and they were called the Hunafa? Yeah, Hunafa, so plural of Hanif. Okay, Hunafa. Yeah. Um, which means kind of, like, orthodox. And so there was this one guy named Wadaka, and he was a Christian, and he saw, and he was one of these people, and he saw the coming of a prophet as imminent, Um, and so he and other Christians thought that the prophet would be um, a Christian or an Arab, whereas the Jews thought he would be a Jew, Um, and so Wadaka's sister, Kutela, Kutela? Yeah. Um, Which one? Kutela. Kutela. Yes. Um, he, she um, saw Abdullah, who was Abd al-Muttalib's son, and they had like a double marriage going on. And so they were on the way to get married to their respective brides. And she saw him and she saw this kind of like light about him. And she was like, wow, I think maybe he's either the prophet or the father of the prophet. And so she um, she was at the entrance of her house, and she asked him if he would marry her. And she was like, and he was like, I'm sorry, I have to respect the wishes of my father. So I'm gonna go marry to I'm gonna go marry the woman that um, had already been decided. And she was like, okay. Um, and so they went and got married. And then the next day, um, they saw each other again, and the light was gone. And he said that um, he asked her why she didn't ask him, and she said, well, there's no light or something like that. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that's chapter six. <laughs> um, okay, chapter seven. This is probably my favorite chapter. Mm. So, AD 570, the year of the elephant. So there's this guy named Abraha, mm-hmm. and he was the vice regent of Abyssinia. Mm-hmm. And what's, uh, what's modern Abyssinia? Ethiopia. Ethiopia, okay. Yeah. Um, and so he... Even though some other tribes were seeing Mecca and seeing the Kaaba as this, like, huge, um, revered thing and, like, the sanctuary and where the pilgrimage was, and but they weren't really jealous. They were chilling. But Abraham was like, no, I'm going to build a church that's so grandiose that it's going to rival the Kaaba and then people are going to come here for the pilgrimage. And so he built this church and it was really beautiful and he told the king, he was like, this church is going to become the new pilgrimage and, like, people are going to love it. It's going to be great. And then someone from uh, a Quraysh um, tribe was like, no. And so he came and he defiled the church and then he returned safely to his people. And when Abraham saw this, he was like, oh my gosh, he was so angry. And so he decided that 
to get revenge for um, the defilement of the church. What was the defilement? Went to the bathroom. Like, in the sanctuary. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, So, he was understandably a little bit bad about this. And so, he was like... I'm going to destroy the Kaaba. And so he gets his army and he gets this huge elephant and he decorates the elephant and everything. And so he starts going um, to Mecca to destroy the Kaaba. And I was kind of confused. Did he die on the way? He died on the way back or? We'll see. Yeah, keep going. (laughs) He doesn't die yet. (laughs) Okay. So um, some people tried to stop him from neighboring tribes, but Mm -hmm. they were not able to. And then this guy named Nufal, Mm -hmm. um, was captured and to save his own life he agreed or he offered to be their uh, guide to get to Mecca and so they and so he guided them to Mecca and they get there and they asked who was the chief of Mecca and even though there was still some kind of debate after the split of um, Ab, uh, of Dar and Manaf mm-hmm. um, they agreed that Abdul Muttalib was like the basically the chief and he they directed them to his house and so he they stole 200 camels from Abdel Muttalib and then Muttalib found about found out about this and he was like whoa you guys you took my camels can you please give them back and they were like why should we give them back and he was like well I'm the lord of the camels and then my lord is the lord of the sanctuary and he will protect the sanctuary and I'm going to protect my camels so give me back my camels and they were like okay let's see like we'll, we'll see about that and so they gave him back his camels, and then they went um, on their way to the Kaaba. And they were like, okay, we'll see what this guy is really about, you know. So they go to the Kaaba, and Nufal had been kind of watching and seeing how they directed this giant elephant, because he was kind of like the point of the huge army and everything. And he had been watching the orders and everything, and he kind of learned how they gave the orders to the elephant. And so then he went to the elephant when everyone else was distracted and he whispered in his ear and whatever order he gave the elephant, the elephant knelt and he refused to move. And everyone got like super mad and they were like, what is this elephant doing? Why is he kneeling? What is happening? And they were like beating him and like sticking iron hooks in his belly and like all this different things, but he refused to move. And at one point they even turned around and then the elephant got up and turned around with them. They're like, oh yeah, this is great. And then they turned back around and the elephant knelt again. And they were like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, And so they were really mad but they were still trying to get him to move and suddenly a bunch of birds like just hundreds of birds so many birds came and they all had three rocks one in their beak and one in each talon and then they just started pelting rocks at the army and just killing all of the people that they hit with the rocks and if they had left when they turned around then they probably would have been saved from this disaster but they didn't so they were all killed and the Kaaba was saved um by god and the Kaaba was saved Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So then, that's chapter seven. And so, was that good? Yeah, that was good. Okay. What happens at the end of the chapter? Um, A baby is born. Oh, yeah. Like, kind of an important <laughs> baby. <laughs> um, and then, the from his, so, um, his mom, Halima, was that? Well, that that's uh, the wet nurse who takes care of him. Oh, okay, so Amin, Amina. Amina is his mother so yeah. um oh right right because amina gets visited by or a voice says to her that she's gonna have a baby and that she should name him muhammad 
Um, so kind of an important part. <laughs> so she has the baby, and then that's the end of the chapter. Mm -hmm. So chapter 8 talks about um, kind of the Bedouin tribes versus the people in the town. So the Bedouin tribes in the desert were known for nursing children, and the great families in the Arab tribes would, uh, Arab town, sorry, would send their kids to the tribes in the desert to kind of get some fresh air and freedom for the soul and pure Arabic and all of that. And so um, one tribe was especially reputable for this, and Amina, um, the mother of Muhammad, wanted to entrust her son to one of the women of this tribe. So um, this story was recounted by Hal Halima. Mm -hmm. And so they came, and Halima had a son of her own, and she and he was really hungry because she was on a really... She was on a she-camel who wasn't doing so well, and they didn't have any milk or anything, and they were going really slow, but... And so she was probably the poorest nurse out of them all. And so they come, and... Amina is trying to find uh, a nurse to nurse her baby and she's just looking and she's trying she's asking every single nurse but they all refuse because she was because the boy didn't have because his father died oh I forgot that part his father died um and so they it's not like they really expected money or anything from uh from the nursling family mm -hmm. but they kind of expected a favor and they were like well this boy doesn't have a father so how are they gonna how is his mother and his grandfather gonna give us any favors so they were like no i want nothing to do with him and so they said no mm -hmm. and so and then halima who was also the poorest nurse was having the same kind of issue um because they she was poor and so they were kind of both in the same situation and so finally um, Halima decided to take the boy Muhammad and because she was like, you know what, like, I'm not, I'm not finding anyone else. So let's just, you know, take this orphan boy and, uh, we'll see what happens. So she takes the boy and, um, she, yeah, so she takes the boy and on the way back, she's blessed with a lot of milk, like a lot of breast milk, and her she-camel has a lot of milk in her udders, and it's like a really great journey back home, and she goes like faster than all the other people, and they were like, whoa, what is this? I thought you were, is this the same camel that you came here on? And she was like, yes, it is. And her husband, Harith, Harith um, was like, wow, this boy that you've taken is like so blessed. And so um, they were just living it up, and it was great. And then when they got back, um, even though the desert was barren, her flock always came home um, all full, even when the others didn't. And so the other shepherds started, like, trying to graze their flock where her flock was grazing, but they still didn't come up with anything. And so it was just a miracle. This boy was blessed, truly. And so... Um, so when the boy was two years old, he was really just looking great and she was like okay I'm gonna bring him back to his mother but I'm gonna see if I can keep him for a little bit longer since he's uh, blessed us so much and so she goes back and she um, brings him back to Amina but she's like can I keep him for a little bit longer and so she kind of uh, importunes her to uh, keep the child and so Amina lets her and so they go back um, and he stays with Halima um, but then, at the end of the chapter, two men in white come to Muhammad with a gold basin, and they attack him, and they, like, take out his heart, and they wash it with the snow, and they also wash his breath, 
breasts um, and just this awful thing happens and then Halima's like oh my gosh this is terrible what is this so it's like this huge bad thing is that right yeah who are they angels angels yeah. ah okay so the angels washes her that makes sense um and then that's the end of that chapter so mm. chapter nine after um halima and harith hear this they're really freaked out they're like whoa he was possessed by some kind of devil or i don't really know this is really scary so let's just take him back to his mother i don't want anything to i don't want him to uh, spread this kind of possession to anything with us so let's just bring him back and just you know be done with that and so they took him home and Halima wasn't really planning on telling Amina this, be this because she was afraid that after she heard this she'd be like "Ooh, I don't want him either um, but Amina compelled her to tell her and so she did and then she was like um, she wasn't bothered she was like okay you know um, I want to keep him and he has a great future uh, ahead of him and so he stayed home and uh, he became good friends with Hamza and Safiya, Safiya, mm -hmm. and um, who who was his grandfather's kid. So were they like his uncle and aunt? Yeah, Hamza is his uh, dad's brother. Okay, so, so but they were the same age. Closer, yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. So yeah, I mean, think about it in terms of a super large family. Mm -hmm. So you know, Abdul Muttalib has ten kids. Mm -hmm. And so by the time the baby, the last baby's born, the oldest kid's 10. Mm -hmm. So by the time that kid is 10, the oldest kid is 20, which means that this culture probably already married and has kids. Right. And so, yeah, the, the ages become really, really, or the generations really start crossing over. Okay. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. Um, and so when he turned six, he and his mother um, went in a caravan to Yathrib to meet some of his kinsmen. Um, and so they went there and it was cool. But then when they were coming back, um, Emina got really sick. And so they stopped in a town, um, not far from Yathrib and she died. And the boy was really sad because now he had lost both his parents. And so the, his slave girl, Baraka, um, tried to console him as much as she could, but he was really upset. And so when they got back, he was entrusted into the care of his grandfather, um, Abdul Muttalib. And he, I mean, he received a lot of special treatment because where his uncles were kind of um, not really, they didn't want to sit on the couch in the hijr mm -hmm. um, because that was like the grandfather's special place or whatever. Um, Muhammad didn't have a problem with sitting there. And so he would sit with his grandfather and his grandfather would scratch his back and they would just like chill together. Mm -hmm. And he would even bring Muhammad to the... Um, the chief's counsel and um, even ask his opinion on whatever this and that even when he was only nine or ten mm -hmm. um, and whenever people would question him about this he would just say that a great future awaited him and so when his grandfather died he was placed into the care of Abu Talib and his wife Fatima and they even treated him as one of their own kids and it said that um, Fatima would probably rather her own kids get hungry than Muhammad and so he was really blessed and treated by all as like truly um special mm -hmm. so. nice yeah and so so what are we seeing think about these events informing this this little kid mm -hmm. right there's this this event with you know the year of the elephant where the the kaaba is looked at as being especially protected by god mm -hmm. and the Quraysh, being the caretakers of the kaaba 
their it's as though their status has just risen, as though God has is is taking care of them. That that so that's now in the air, mm-hmm. and then loses his father, mm-hmm. uh, loses his mother. Mystical things are happening around him. They're probably not telling him, but all these people are seeing these things happening around him. So they're thinking, okay, there's something really unique about this kid. And then his grandfather is the leader of the Koresh. And so he's literally sitting in the lap of his grandfather the whole day. And so he's witnessing leadership. So prior to receiving revelation, we still got a ways to go before that happens. He's already being formed as something special in his society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Okay. So the next time we will start with uh, chapter 10. Yes. All right, very good.